Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're live, pal, and we're covering something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and the storied career of Sid. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, let it play. Let the people know who we are talking about today. Hello and welcome to Something to Wrestle After. This is the show for all of you, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard fans out there. To come together after listening, we cover all the huge revelations. We get your reactions in here. You never know who's going to call in. And uh, it's not just little old me, Christy Olsen, here with you today. Please say hello to the man who runs Mr. Bruce Pritchard's YouTube channel and the YouTube channels of a bunch of other wrestling legends. Please say hello to Steve Kaufman. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm sure there's not much going on anywhere else on the internet between starting at 4 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, you know, it's nice of us to give the people something to watch and listen to. Exactly. On this Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and uh, this guy would probably be at home tuned into the WWE Network, but he's agreed to be here with us. A new face. He's a film critic and the host of the Roswell New Mexico After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Please welcome Jim Alexander. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is the same demographic, obviously, as Roswell, you know, so CW. No, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I am thrilled to be here and actually talk some wrestling and Sid. I mean, I grew up with Sid, so okay, this good. is right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. I do want to give all of the AfterBuzz TV wrestling fans out there kind of a chance to get to know you a little bit, because they're used to all of our same old faces for uh, the last many, many years. So, I'm sure they're going to be, like, all rabid on this new host. Who is he? What is he about? Tell us a little bit about your wrestling fandom, Jim. Alright, so before you guys start hating on me, which is fine, uh, <laughs> I started out being a fan as a kid. I remember my first match that I that stuck with me was the one two three kid pinning Razor Ramon. Yes, that's where after it, Buzz's own Sean Waltman. There you go. That's where it started for me. And over the years I've been just an avid follower. I I'm from Chicago, so that is the hotbed of wrestling. I will argue that for till the end of time. Uh, and I go to every show in Chicago. Just been a lifelong fan of wrestling and just following over the years. If you're asking who's my favorite, it's always been Randy Orton. So that's, oh, my that's a okay. good choice. Good. However, I good feel luck like in the comments, sir. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Phila F. and Delphi over I, here might go I'm head not, to head with you on that Chicago thing. Obviously, like that just goes to that question. He said he'll fight it to the death. That's he, he at least understands the discourse. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you guys have ECW originally, which is cool. But y'all, y'all got it when it started expanding. Yeah. Well, wherever you are from, welcome to the team, Jim. And we want to welcome all of our fans out there in the live chat, tuning in to us on YouTube. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We are on live on Sunday nights at, oh no, math is hard, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And we would love for you to come and join us. We like to shout out everybody and get your thoughts on the episode. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You know, maybe get those ratings and comments started as well. You know, we would appreciate that. And we will read them 
on the air. Well, if they're nice, we'll read them on the air. <laughs> Either way, we'll shout you out because we love you. And uh, on that note, I think Steve has a message for all you AfterBuzz wrestling fans out there. Yes. Before we move on to Psycho Sid Vicious Justice. <laughs> I yeah. like that. We just wanted to say thank you for making us the ESPN of TV talk. But for us to continue to grow, we need your help. We need you to subscribe to this YouTube. YouTube. No, YouTube. Also subscribe to AfterBuzz, just YouTube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. Uh, the Roswell New Mexico After Show, that is on Sci-Fi and Fantasy. Go ahead and subscribe to that YouTube page. In doing so, you are helping AfterBuzz TV continue to grow. You want the things that you watch and like and enjoy to be watched, liked, and enjoyed by other people. Hipsterism's dead, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Newsflash. Newsflash. Hipster's not a thing, never was. No. You want everyone to enjoy and like the things that you would enjoy and like, so you have a relatable experience, and that's what all of this is about. It, there are, are, there's a billion TV shows. There's no one water cooler talk you have to find shows like us to find communities that talk about after, that talk about the shows that you like. We like to be that focal point, and to do that, we need to be one of the top things when people search. And how you do that is you give the rating on iTunes, you leave a comment, you interact with us, you follow us on Twitter, you do all that fun stuff to make AfterBuzz TV the top of the search for the things that you search for. Uh, being after being a part of AfterBuzz for me has helped in the past five years really gain visibility. Yeah, like such visibility that. I remember years upon years ago, I was trying to get an interview at WrestleMania in Dallas with uh, Rob Schamberger, a very good friend of mine now. We're going way back. And it was, like, I was very shy, and, like, it was very, like, I always thought it would be super difficult to get interviews. And I walked up and asked him, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with AfterBuzz TV. And he's like, I'm a wrestling fan. I know what AfterBuzz TV is. Come <laughs> on. Let's do this interview. And that interview, by the way, available at YouTube.com slash TV. And not the only wrestling guy who uh, tunes into AfterBuzz TV Wrestling. Not so, even a little. On that note, let's give the people an awesome show. Let's give them this platform to talk about this uh, very long yet pretty juicy episode of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. So Sid finally won a poll, guys. Seriously. Apparently. It's about time. Yeah, I mean, Conrad's a big fan of Sid. He's been waiting to talk about him. He throws him up on the poll. And uh, by a whopping 1%, <laughs> the fans of this show wanted to hear about Psycho Sid just What did you say? Psycho, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious Justice. Mungus. I like that. Sid Udy is his name. And... Uh, whether you believe one story or another, he came in. What had you guys heard before about the way that Sid was discovered? I had actually not had any context to the story of Sid was discovered. The earliest story in my mind prior to this episode was the Paul Heyman story, where Paul Heyman was, I believe he was down in Florida, and then they bought Florida. Memphis bought Florida, and then he wound up coming up to Memphis, and Jerry Jarrett didn't want to use him, so they they stuck him with this big green, this big giant green kid, and it was humongous. And that um, Paul Heyman, which to show you how long ago this was, said yeah. lesbian on television, and Jerry Jarrett wanted to fire him because he said lesbian on television. <laughs> that went, and back but, in the day, but, it was you know. hum, but that the guy he was stuck with was humongous, who became Sid. Sid, it was always Sid Udy, and that was the earliest story I had heard of Sid. So that's a whole different one from these kind of dueling stories they tell on this episode of the show uh -huh. of was he discovered at a softball game by Lawler or did he meet the Poffos in a gym? I think both. If, Probably. If There's that resting mystique. <laughs> Everyone wants to take credit for something. So that, that softball story's got some credence. I mean, that's been going around and around. Uh -huh. 
He's a softball guy, apparently. He is, so. for real, a softball guy. I, I would believe both. Per, personally, I think both happened. Mm-hmm. And that both the Pothos and Lawler kept telling that story, the more successful Sid got. That it was probably a combination of those two things, plus anyone else who saw him knew saw the talent that was there and tried to catapult him to the moon, and now everyone's claiming credit. Right. Including Bro. I'm kidding. I mean, he never he, claimed credit. He's a prototypical wrestling body in yes. d- d- that day and age for WWE or any territory. The guy had to look. So you could even take him from a softball field literally with no experience <laughs> and it's like, hey, we're going to turn him into a wrestler because he just looks the part. And at that day and age, you didn't have the Daniel Bryans or the small guys. Like, mm-hmm. that was the guy that was money, basically. Yeah. yeah, well, so he found himself at NWA in like the 1989-ish time, but Pritchard says that he was on his radar uh, according to his size, like you guys said, he's a big guy. He's got that look. And he eventually ended up in WCW, but not for long. Hmm. All right, we get this story of kind of him bouncing back and forth. What did you guys think about him going to talk to Vince while he was still at WCW? This isn't something we hear a lot about. We listen to a lot of these podcasts. <laughs> and I know, like, one Eric Bischoff always says, like, he's not touching guys that are signed by WWF. This is the opposite situation. Um, don't quote me on the year they were talking about, mm-hmm. but I, it might have been at a time when Eric wasn't wholly involved and when WWS deals weren't super ironclad mm-hmm. that you could, not to mention informally, like, although Eric will tell us up and down, and by the way, you can find us this Tuesday where he will tell you <laughs> up and down mm-hmm. that he never tries to pillage a locker room or go after a guy who's under contract. Right. And I believe him on face value, but I also believe that... The camaraderie that is all, like wrestlers and the boys in general, mm-hmm. they all talk. It has to happen. Everyone talks oh, no. in sports like, and like this happens all the time. The recruitment, the you know, behind the scenes, like, hey, it'd be cool to join. They're, these conversations are always happening. It's yes. probably not documented or they're so common within that locker room in a sense that everyone just accepts it because half of it is probably BS in a lot of ways well, but yeah, and a lot of times it's true too so I'm sure these conversations were happening behind the scenes although Sid going to Vince himself strikes me as a 20-30 years ago mm-hmm. story like that yeah. even, t- even 20 years ago that story would be ludicrous mm-hmm. of somebody if we didn't hear it from Pritchard himself I don't know if I exactly. believe it even in this well, case and somebody in Sid's position who would have a contract with a publicly traded company would go to the CEO of another company and essentially commit fra- like conspire to commit fraud on that contract conspire right. to break that contract like yeah it it strikes me of a time when you could get away with that because it would be a matter of what could you prove mm-hmm. there's no internet right no yeah, one's like, reporting really not much on that there's no twitter or social media you could yeah. get away technically and the loss yeah. The loss on either side wasn't as high then either. No, but it is kind of surprising that WCW's reaction to this, instead of being like, fine, see you later, is, oh, uh, how about we double up on that offer that we gave <laughs> yeah. to you? What a great deal I mean, there. <sighs> this is sort of, I think, setting the tone for Sid in his career and the fact that, you know, he kind of did whatever the hell he wanted mm. is the idea we get from this episode. And maybe th- this was kind of the beginning of his attitude of like, well, I don't like it. I go back here, and then I do whatever I want. And then he did power plays. He then... power played from the beginning. He brokered exactly. his own terms, uh-huh. and he just rode with it through the rest of his career because it worked yes. first time around. Yes. I, although I do, I don't. Know, I think Kevin Nash would be another example of someone who's done that his whole yeah. career too. Mm-hmm. But people don't. People don't have such a negative opinion of Kevin Nash as they do of Sid. Mm-hmm. For I don't. I, 
I'm he's not, made a lot of money. Kevin Nash has made oh, a lot of money for a lot of companies. That's that's part of it, I'm sure. That's part of it, and like I think, I think Kevin Nash plays the power play when it comes to the contract, mm-hmm. and then once the contract's signed, he's showing up every day. And I think that's the main difference between Kevin Nash and Sid. <laughs> Definitely. No softball <laughs> league events, you know, so. Let's let's talk a little bit about this contract. Okay, so reportedly he was getting 2250. That's $2,250 guaranteed per year. I would have thought otherwise had he not uh clarified that. And he was pissed. You know, you may, you're going to get $25 for showing up at TV. Mm-hmm. That's your only guarantee. You got not not even $2,500 for a year guaranteed. I mean, I love it when they talk numbers. And I don't know what... Jim, if someone came to you with that offer, what would uh, you say? 25 We're talking about a meal or something? <laughs> well, I mean, back then, yeah, the money's different. Well, too. let me try to adjust for inflation <laughs> to even help. <laughs> right. $10,000 a year, but the only real guarantee is that you're likely going to be on, televi- on national television. Also, yeah. keep in mind, national television meant... Two to five million homes guaranteed. And There's no internet back then and stuff like that. So yeah. that was the only outlet and avenue, yeah. pretty much. Yep. Mm-hmm. To, to try to convey it to today's time, how that's not as absurd as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't like it. Sid wanted to go right back there to WCW <laughs> when he figured all this out. I mean, at this point, it's sort of like, you know, the guy's just trying to find a home, make some moolah. I mean, he's uh, he's looking okay at this point. Mm. But let's talk about, um, sh- what shall we call these? His discrepancies. Okay. Okay. Let's talk <laughs> about way. Sid's discrepancies because they come up pretty quick <laughs> and there's a lot of them starting out with this bar fight he gets into with Brian Pillman and Mike Graham. This is all about WCW versus WWF. Had you guys heard about this going down before? No, no. I never have. No. no? Oh, I love that. Well, this is a little outside. I, I should have mentioned up top. This is born, being born in 86. This this whole time is a little outside of my wheelhouse from That's a dirt true. sheet perspective. Like a TV perspective, I'm pretty on board. Mm-hmm. But from like a what happened outside of TV, you hear it third or fourth hand. So it has to be pretty well known. To like, compare that to some of the other, like we're going to talk next about Arn Anderson, that little scissors oh, yeah. incident. Oh, re- that we've heard of a million times. Yes. So it's cool that we get this kind of bar fight tidbit. We know that uh, Mike Graham and Brian Pillman end but up Pillman as- kind of got in his face and Sid backed out. Like, that's the thing here. He's kind of being the bully, but then when it's actually about to go down, Sid's suddenly injured and <laughs> not willing to go about it. So so did you gain some respect for Pillman? Yeah, hell yeah, I, I was actually listening to a uh, podcast with uh, Terry Funk today, and he was talking a lot Aww. about how in, like, the real old days, someone for someone to be champion part of what they wanted is they had to be a bit of a shooter right like they had because back then you were you were working towns in a way in a climate where somebody could get drunk at a bar and see you and be like i can take that wrestler and they need to be enough of a shooter that 15 20 people at a bar could kill a town if terry funk runs away if terry (laughs) funk runs away from a fight that this is um it's always been widely regarded that Vince himself feels oh still feels this way when he hears about people getting in a fight at an airport or a bar or something like that. He'll always side with who won the fight. Mm. <laughs> that's a th- like that's a thing. Like you always hear like you always hear this, and it at least makes sense in a very old school wrestling way of mm-hmm. your top guy should be so legit that they're just legit. It, and it also it it'll kill a town like hypothetically if Braun Strow- if somebody comes up to Braun Strowman at a bar. And Braun Strowman runs away from a fight. <laughs> yeah. 
that that would look bad in somebody of Sid's size, especially when he comes back with a squeegee. <laughs> what is this, the squeegee thing? It's like they wanted to take this story that was juicy but not super bizarre and just make it give it a little a little sauce. Oh, you don't think that happened? I, no, I I I do. But that it feels it's particular a, enough. It's a, it's a fortunate choice. Yes. <laughs> on their part to whip out the squeegee so that in 30 years we can talk about 40 years? Oh my god. Whoa. Math. In a long ass time we can talk about it on this podcast and uh, next let's talk about Wrestlemania 8. The, right. the most wasted Wrestlemania don't you think Christy? I mean that main event we know should have been Flair versus Hogan. Yes. And that it just turned into such a mess all around with the double triple main events whatever you want to call it <laughs> and no one came out looking good. No. I, so, and and Sid, are, Sid and Hogan specifically, this is thought of as a... It's a pretty widely panned match. Is that true? Yeah, very true. And I think... Also, it's in the height of Hogan. It's in the height of, like... I don't want to say the dissipation of Hulkamania, but like at a time where Hogan should really be focusing on the, leaving the business better than he found it, if yeah. you will... Yeah. Which is a hard way to, like, because you ask a guy in the, like, you ask John Cena today how he feels. Heart of hearts, he'd be like, I can do this 10 more years, y'all. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it's so similar to Hope, but at the end of the day, like, well, but how do you make a star? It's WrestleMania 8, like, how many more WrestleManias does Hogan have as the absolute number one top draw? Mm-hmm. And I know that's not all on him, but a match with Sid should be an opportunity to make Sid look great by WrestleMania 9. A match with Flair should be an opportunity to draw a huge number that everyone cares about whoever Sid is facing mm-hmm. otherwise. And I don't know. Some of the, some of those fundamentals get lost. Also, people get hurt. People don't like to work with people. It's a whole mess. That, wasn't that a DQ finish, too? Yeah. Yeah. So that just like, <laughs> you have a WrestleMania, big main event, you end in a disqualification. It's just, it's such a, it's one of the most wasted WrestleMania main events I could think of. And, th- and lacking in chemistry, yeah, according totally. to Richard. Yeah, that's because then the ma- if the match doesn't wow you, and then the, the finish doesn't matter, and it's one of your top draws. What do you really have? Mm-hmm. It, WrestleMania Eight is kind of frustrating. Thanks, but we talk about it. That's yeah, the like, thing. At least we talk about how bad it was. It's kind of lives in infamy for being I'm, bad. I'm kind of a positive enough guy. Yeah. This is the most I've ever spoken about WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because like I don't, I don't really like to, especially because WrestleMania Eight's not like a terrible WrestleMania. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like it's just a panned. Not living up to its potential WrestleMania that, like, in my mind, I'm like, if it's a terrible WrestleMania, I will talk about it. (laughs) That's awful. Here's why. And if it's amazing, I'll say it's amazing. Here's why. But Sid was a big part of that. WrestleMania 8, I'm like, oh, fun. Okay. Well, so how about your thoughts on sort of what came next around the block for Sid, which is this feud with the Warrior, with Ultimate Warrior? Was Sid complaining about. Working with Warrior, is that the pot calling the kettle black, as Conrad and, and Bruce discussed on this show? Um, probably. However, I haven't heard great things about working with Warrior. What do you think, Jim? I mean, I don't think many would want to work with Warrior, actually, for an extended period of time. Like, he's kind of known that he wasn't a great worker. You know, mm-hmm. he was more show and image than anything else. So, when you put these two guys together who aren't great technical wrestlers and kind of just about image in a sense that they can that's how they put over things mm. it's just not a good mix at all there's no chemistry just from the thought of it yeah what about sid being so brazen as to kind of put the blame on warrior uh 
That's pretty ballsy. It's been documented (laughs) with like this this whole podcast that's done things like that. So this is not a shocker to hear Mm. that at that point. That's true. And he ends up storming out after a a match with Warrior, and he is suspended for six weeks. It's another X. I I just put next to every little thing they said he did that was naughty. I just put a big old X. (laughs) That's one. You are the next. Keep on marking him. Yep. The next big old X comes. Those look like bullet points, and they probably are. (laughs) They're little ex-bullets. They're probably they're, both. Uh, there are topics you know what they and are. things that did wrong. Or there may be how many times he's left and come back to the company. <laughs> Marks every time. They're scissors. Oh. Guys, they are scissors because if we could go more than one or two weeks without talking about Sid stabbing Arn Anderson in Europe while listening to an old school podcast, it would be the first time that ever happened. So we have heard so many versions of this story. We have heard it on Bischoff's podcast. We've heard it now here. We have heard both guys' accounts in different ways and shapes and forms over the years. How do we feel about this particular account by Bruce Pritchard, who wasn't there and wasn't really that involved. He's not fighting with his fists, so we know he's yeah. using, like, not weapons, but that can be characterized as weapons. I mean, they make it pretty clear that he almost, like, stabbed him to death. Yes. Like, that this was, was the first serious. time I'd, he- I'd yeah. heard it described that way. That's really? pretty... Didn't the Vader episode of the Bischoff show... Because he was like bleeding out in Vader's arms, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah, Eric, that's Eric true. Gave okay, a, yeah, Eric gave right. a pretty good account of if you're looking for the if you're looking for the closest to firsthand account you're going to get from a, a semi reliable podcast, I would recommend the Bischoff podcast. Right. The the episode of Vader. I'm sure I've already released a clip about it. <laughs> that has a thousand on his vi- YouTube channel. That has a couple thousand views. YouTube.com slash eighty three weeks. Let's get a plug. Um... <laughs> But I I like hearing Pritchard's side of stuff like this that he wasn't really involved in. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I, I heard that that had happened. What'd you think? I thought it was bad. Either way, it wasn't good. You know, when you look at this, he almost died or is bleeding profusely. This is not, you know, you're using scissors and you're basically stabbing someone with them. There's no good end result of this. But I think that both of them are alive and I, I'm assuming over it. Well, that was going to be my next question. What? How big of a part of Sid's legacy do you think that is? Top five. It really is? Like, I, I think it's only within the boys in the industry. I, okay. I don't think on the outside to okay. the fans it matters much. That would come first to mind. But I think inside, among the locker room, I think that's remember. Because Arn Anderson is just such a big part of wrestling. Yeah. And, you know... And people know him so well. So I think inside, it's bigger than the on the outside. Mm-hmm. Also, I think whether it's a matter of locker room camaraderie or actual, hey, we both got real drunk and heated, they've buried this mm-hmm. to a way that like they've both worked together since. Right. That it's, yes, this happened. We got a little out of hand. It's over with. But Arn's a big, like, he's a bigger man in doing oh, this. For yeah. letting bygones, like, someone nearly kills you and makes you bleed. Like, I would probably personally hold that against him for the rest of my life. That's for him fair. to let, let bygones be bygones, that's really, that's admirable of him. It really is. He's pretty I, chill now. I think he takes it out on anyone he's ever spine bustered. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's man. my theory on Arn Anderson. <laughs> well. Not only that, but, like, any match, he, he's the agent for it where a spine buster happens. <laughs> I think that's just residual <laughs> anger from almost being stabbed to death by Sid. 
That's my it's my theory. Fair so if point. you're ever if you're ever spine busted in the WWE, pretty much right. that's resi- that's Arn Anderson just letting his anger out. That is Sid's legacy. <laughs> that in that point, and yes, yes, and every spine buster ever is Sid is essentially Sid's legacy. I love that. I love that. Well, kind of going on all at the same time is Sid had failed a drug test. This is something that's a little bit contested. So reportedly, before Mania and before that Europe tour, he had taken a test and failed it. But uh, how, however, they were like, you know what? You just go ahead. You do your Mania match. You just go. You get on that Euro tour. No biggie. We'll suspend you after. And then this Arn Anderson stuff happens. This would be handled a little bit differently. Yeah, he would not be going on any tours or right. any wrestling, any matches today. That's for sure. It would be an independent. Well, because the drug tests, the drug tests now are administered by an independent body that either gives the decision to the WWE or gives the decision to the WWE complete with he's suspended. Like mm-hmm. it's it's done in a way where someone this literally can't happen. Right. Right. It's serious now. Mm. Natty crashed her car to get out of one. Wow. Yeah. Is this- true. Total Divas story. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is Christy spilling the tea we all wanted? What? Nope, you guys can all watch that on season about maybe four, maybe three or four. Uh, well, Sid uh, is out for softball season. Once again, he finds himself free during softball season. Can't miss softball. <laughs> he just can't miss it, right? So, he's is he a catcher? Well, that's what I was wondering. What position is Sid? I've it, seen multiple comments. Bruce never answered it for us. Pitcher? If I'm, I'm thinking that because he's tall, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like, why is he so into softball? That's my question. Like, like, literally, what's like the draw to him to like be so committed to it more so than wrestling? Right? He's more committed to softball. These could be coincidences. These absences, right? Totally. And these stories remind me a lot of uh, the Nigel McGuinness story you hear from Bruce Pritchard about uh, community theater, where which is well, Nigel McGuinness was in TNA. TNA was drawing a lot of money in on. In Britain, so Nigel, I believe, was still living in Britain, or he might have already been out here and was being and was diagnosed with hepatitis, so he couldn't pass athletic boards, okay. so he couldn't wrestle, so they had to stop using him as a wrestler. They had a British TV show that Bruce was producing, so they were using him as a commentator and a backstage, I believe, a commentator backstage interviewer because they already have a contract with him, so you should use him. Right, we're paying him, we should use him, and he wouldn't show up to TV on time. And when asked about why. This is all according to Bruce. When asked about why, he said, well, I I have auditions during the day, so I have to do auditions because I want to do stuff in theater. And Bruce said, well, if your career move is to theater, you should just make a career move to theater. And then he said, actually, it's community theater. I was going to say that's so L.A., but it's not even so L.A. It's, <laughs> it's like so well, local. Again, this is the story Bruce tells. I'm sure Nigel would tell a completely different story, which... I feel like this clip has not surfaced, or he would have been through the, or he would have been through the roof explaining himself. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna have to get Nigel's side of that one, I'm gonna, and, I, and I, I think we can probably do. I'm that gonna screenshot point. you. I'm gonna screenshot you a date when it's when that clip is coming out, so okay. we can so we can get Nigel abreast of the situation. I love that. But that clip is coming out, and he needs to be prepared with his response. All right. We took a little sidebar for community theater. That's, yeah. No, but that's a compar- good story. But that's comparable to Sid and softball, right. which is it's a thing that's important to it's him. It's an extracurricular activity that they're really passionate about. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a thing that's important to him that may not be a career, right. as in the sense of money and time, mm-hmm. but that he is important enough to him that he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Like like Rob Van Dam and we almost. <laughs> 
People have their extracurriculars. Okay. So true. So true. I just always, I wondered why they didn't have any fan accounts of like, I went to the softball game and I watched him play or he was there and he totally bent over, his neck was fine or like whatever it may be. I I mean, I guess that's what people would do nowadays. They would go to the game and get the video and post it on social media. Wouldn't someone have it on those 1-800 lines back then? Like, Sid's been been seen at a softball game. Call us to find out. I think that's something Mean Gene would trump up. Yeah, totally. Um, and if you're really asking today, WWE would send a camera crew out to wherever wherever their guy was playing softball. Yeah, like similar to like all those like all those YouTube clips you'll see of like Shinsuke Nakamura surfing in, yeah. on the Tampa Bay beach, where it's just like we made a six minute clip about Shinsuke Nakamura surfing. Hundred thousand views. Like, oh yeah. He's Nakamura. He's in. It's in the title. They had to cut the sig breaks out of those videos, you know. Ooh, oh, juicy tidbit. <laughs> okay, we we've talked. We haven't touched on all of the X's next to Sid's name, but I think it's time to talk a little bit of positivity. So I am desperately scanning my notes for some. <laughs> I guess. I guess they did give him a little nod. So this million dollar corporation thing mm-hmm. didn't work. Bruce agrees. We don't really know how Sid felt about it, or at least. I've never heard Sid talk about how he feels about it. And it just didn't quite work out. This isn't an X next to Sid's name. This is something that they try to do with him. And it just wasn't right. Sometimes things just don't work. Mm -hmm. There's bad booking and bad programs and character ideas. It just doesn't work. Do you feel the same way about his feud with Diesel? Mm. (laughs) Um, I guess. I don't know. Some people just don't have chemistry. Yeah. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And it... Something Eric has pitched on our show specifically is if you you try creative things, part of trying trying creative things is failing miserably. Mm -hmm. I'll say this about that. At least they looked apart for, like, the chemistry might have not worked, but on paper looked good. Unlike Warrior and Sid, like, these are two big guys, like, you would want to see them go against each other. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing on paper would have looked a lot better and probably the chemistry would have been. So you'd be tempted to at least attempt it or try it and see what happens. Right. Well, I think Nash and Sid as workers are too similar. That that mm-hmm. like as an in-ring product, that's a, that would be a very difficult. That would be a very difficult like because it's not a clash of styles. Like you would need to make that personal somehow. Yeah. And neither of them, especially in the WWF at that time, wasn't really harping on like like if it were somehow personal. But by that, you would need to tell me that Sid Justice and Diesel were real people. Right. <laughs> like instead of instead and that of just Sid wrestling, was really Sean's bodyguard. Yeah. Like instead of just like kind of wrestling cartoon characters which is what WWF was in the 80s so like when it worked it worked really well and when it didn't work you had it, uh, I'm trying to think of, it's like He-Man versus another He-Man mm-hmm. and you're like cool so y'all are just gonna well the reason that they decided to go with this is I mean Conrad really questions Bruce about this and he's uh-huh. like why what's up with this Diesel thing Bruce explains that the lumberjack match specifically is that you know they weren't trying to do the small guys versus the big guy stuff because even though that was getting good matches at house shows, it wasn't drawing to house shows. So they're like, uh, we're not going to put it on a pay-per-view, duh. <laughs> yeah, it's the old-school wrestling kind of mentality. Big guys sell, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they sell out shows, they sell yeah. out house. You want to see the two kind of Goliaths go against each other. Made a biggest, best, best man win yeah. sort of thing. But I think with someone like Sid or like Diesel, what you actually want to see is someone like the One Two Three Kid mm-hmm. or Bret Hart or someone overcome them mm-hmm. and that's i don't know when sid is best that's when sid or anyone that size is best that's kind of what it looks like he's just he's goliath mm-hmm. which a lot of david and goliath this week and a lot of david and goliath yeah. talk this week in wrestling 
It's so philosophical. A little bit. Or biblical. Yeah, <laughs> definitely more biblical, I'd say. Well, uh, we're live, pal. So if either of you want to take that again, not happening, because we're live, pal. Oof. That's, That's a good thing. Do you guys, uh, so, okay, so this was still pretty early. I don't think any of us probably remember that well, happening. I think we, those of us who are huge fans of Botchamania would remember. Of course. Would remember the, like, pretty much anything like that. Okay, so like the scissors thing, how, how big is the, is the little live botch on Sid's, um, on, in, in, his, in his book of his career? Is it a chapter? Is it no. a blurb? Top five. Ah, again. we're doing it again. It's top no, five. I, I don't think well, so. Well, you know, it's top five. <laughs> it happens. I mean, it's one of those things that it's live TV. I, you know, it just it ha- it's forgettable right. in that sense. I mean, there's always glitches or things, but you really remember that as like a key moment. You know, it's just a blurb. Now it would be like on a blooper, probably mm-hmm. reel somewhere. Well, yeah, but well, blooper reels are a big deal in like the. Schadenfreude culture, if you will, of like the liking when th- when bad things or embarrassing things happen. Yes, that is that's become very big in the internet. That I think this at the time probably wasn't as big a deal mm-hmm. as it's become in the internet age. But ultimately, I think that's one of the things you remember Sid for. Um, I have another Total Divas example, but I'll keep it to okay. myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time when Sid kind of starts to become known for being plagued by injuries. Him and Diesel had a couple slip-ups here and there. He's got some bone fragments in his neck that are bothering him, but he doesn't really talk to people about it. This is where Bruce said he started to develop a reputation about the boy who cried wolf mm. over injuries. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of details about this. Do you think it is something that was legitimate, but he took it up a notch to level 10? You know, so it's like, oh, I'm I'm hurt, but he was making it sound like I'm injured. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And just making a convenient excuse for whatever it could be. Or kind of using it when he needs it. Yep. I think he's exploiting a very loosey-goosey, um, a very loosey-goosey trainer-doctor system that mm-hmm. WWF had at the time. Because... I don't even know, but I can tell you just from like what I've heard, the WWE at this moment, something like this couldn't happen to any of their performers. Right. They would, they would limp off in a way that wasn't scripted, and a doc, and like a trainer would probably be at the curtain, mm-hmm. like, "Hey, man, I saw you limp. You all right?" Absolutely. Like that. It's like they're the performers. They're the assets, and they're going to spend a lot of. They they spend a lot more money now to maintain the asset. Mm-hmm. So I don't think. Whereas then, I think Sid saw an opportunity that like. There's not a trainer. Like, the trainer's not going to look at you unless you ask. They're never going to, there's never really a doctor on staff to look at you unless you ask. Mm -hmm. They don't have a preferred doctor. They don't even have a framework by which for me to say, I'm injured, my doctor says I'm retired. Mm -hmm. For Mm -hmm. them to say, well, for you to say that, you need to go to these three doctors and get these three opinions and have a conclude like a concluding opinion which i'm sure is what it is the case now because mm-hmm. the contracts are worth millions of dollars and that's right. like you need to be able to get out of them medically in a way that just is well agreed upon that yeah but mm-hmm. i like i think then he just noticed he noticed a very loosey goosey system of well if i feel hurt on this day and my team is playing Away <laughs> this day. I don't know if he is or isn't actually playing softball, but like if he doesn't want to be there on this date, mm-hmm. well, I could see a doctor between these days tell them with minimal notice to this day that I can't make it. Right. And they'll just have to suck it up. Because if, if it were that important to them, they'd have a better 
they'd have a better framework. Mm-hmm. Don't you think now we're learning about Sid is that he's quite the manipulator in a sense. He knows how to work the system a completely. Yeah. He's a he's not. I don't he's hate a, it. No, he's. I mean, a thinking man's speaking, man in that sense. Speaking, he knows the industry and how to get around it. Speaking as a former employee of places, like that's not terrible. Like right. it's it's no different from taking a sick day to go some. Like it's. Okay, it's different because it's a little more dishonest and your job isn't as secure. Mm-hmm. But in general, what he's deciding is, well, I have X amount of sick days yeah. and I'm going to take them how I take them. In this, but in, And you would, you would think a guy like that shouldn't get to come back and be world champion. Exactly. But he does. He does. He does. And WWF was frustrated, according to Bruce. What about, you mentioned before, it seemed um, kind of, it would be out way out of the ordinary now, unbelievable for someone to go straight to Vince when he talked about his contract. What about for someone to say, yeah, Vince, I told so-and-so I was sick. I told so-and-so else. I didn't tell you, but I told all these other guys I was sick. Yeah, I'm effing sick, and I don't effing want to need to be here or whatever, like... This description that Bruce gave of a little chat that Sid had with Vince in the midst of all this was shocking, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, now it'd be done with a group chat, maybe, or something. (laughs) I heard Vince doesn't text yet. Oh, that's probably possible. Uh, Vince definitely texts. Never never mind. Vince texts now. He didn't text me, but but I have been with people that he has texted. Okay. 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 So he He may have someone texting for him. Let's be real. But, but uh, it's, that makes sense. It's also interesting that Sid would go to Vince originally to get out of his WCW deal, but now when it comes to, like, another issue, he's now going through other people, right? Well, That's the, a good point. But also the accounts I'm hearing of Vince is that he does every—he's—I don't want to say he's a talent mark, but I think Vince sees the talent as the overall most important asset. Mm-hmm. So that if he came—so that if you come to Vince and say— all your underlings are the problem, Vince. I'm not the problem. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy are the problem. And I'm your asset. Vince is more likely to either take the burial of the take the burial of those guys seriously mm-hmm. or make the talent think that he is and then go about business as usual. Mm-hmm. I, th- from all the accounts I'm hearing about Vince McMahon as a promoter and a boss is he sees the talent as the priority. Mm-hmm. To the point where he'll let them bury everybody else. Hmm. And, like, he'll let them bury everybody else in a meeting and then deal with it after the meeting. Yeah. It's, it's, I, if, that's an interesting strategy. He, but he also seems to see things in people that we don't. Because mm-hmm. by this point in the, in the story, because I'm fairly detached from Sid as a story... By this point in the story, I'm very shocked to hear that he's a two-time world champion, or yeah. about or about to become right. a two-time world champion, yeah. or like he was replacing he was replacing Warrior and House shows, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, we're done with Sid, but not quite yet. We might need him. It's like these endless chances it keeps on getting, mm-hmm. and it has to be back to the drawing board. It's the look, you know. It still fit the time. Yep. He's such a you know, a, a figure that they don't, they can't replicate in, in so many ways. So it's like, oh, well, let's get back to Sid for that. Right. Another thing we know about Vince is that he kind of has a thing for the big guys. A little bit. Yeah. They're, they're like very big, tall, muscular, clean. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, cl- like, not clearly roided, but that's, <laughs> that depends on the, the time of year. That was something that they touched on here, yeah. too. He, he said um, that Sid, when he failed the drug test, he was like, Vince knew what I was on. <laughs> Uh, Do you believe that, Jay? I don't know. That's one that could be debated, you mm-hmm. know, because 
I mean, now it completely would have been a different story. Back in the day, I guess it could go either way. Yeah. Really think. It, maybe it depends on the time of the year and how much they needed him or versus, you know, did it go through different back channels? There's a lot to be... If there, if there was press pressure at this time about right. the drug testing, because that became a thing kind of later. Also, mm-hmm. I think the way the way the media understands drug tests, even today, like with the um, why they, they moved the show to the from the Las Vegas to the Forum, that gentleman whose name is still escaping me, John oh, Jones. Yes, like that John Jones mm. thing. The headlines were John Jones failed a drug test yeah. in Nevada, so they moved the flight to California. The reality is so lame and minute, which is John Jones took a drug once that the science is uncertain whether or not it stays in your system forever. Mm -hmm. They found trace molecular parts of that drug in his system, and Nevada claimed that that was a failure. That's like that was the story. Right. That story can't fit into a headline. It's easier to say John Jones, a person who has been problematic with drugs in the past, failed a drug test Mm -hmm. and now they're going to california where he passed a drug test and it's i don't know it's a little reductive whereas because none of us really none of us really understand what steroids do the popular notion of steroids is that you inject something in your body and it just makes you massive i I picture um the hulk yeah yeah where it's (laughs) that is like not even remotely what steroids are and they're not even remotely what a drug test is looking for steroids Mm. are a thing that will no different from an over-the-counter protein that if you work out really, really hard, it'll help your body recover so you can go back to working out really, really hard again. Mm-hmm. Steroids are a thing that do that but are detrimental to your body. But then there's also um, there's also, there's a bunch of chemicals I can't even pronounce right. that they also test for because people use them to mask them. People use them to counteract side effects. People use them to do all types of things if they're also injecting steroids. But that's really difficult to explain. And mm-hmm. I think similarly, like why we don't know what the SID stuff was is that it's probably not as interesting as yeah. it's not as interesting <laughs> as he took Hulk juice. He took he he hit the cheat code. Right. It's ne- the whole steroids debate has never been that simple. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a couple of uh, Sid claims that are busted up in all this. One is that he was going to keep that belt that he got um, as long as house shows sold out. And Bruce said, no, the plan was always for Sean to get it in San Antonio, which just makes sense. It does. That's, I mean, transitional champions are still champions. Since, as someone since... who's been in the ring with Shawn Michaels in San Antonio, <laughs> that just makes sense. There I'm sorry, that's the coolest thing I've ever done, so it's the only thing you guys are probably ever going to hear about over and over again. Fair. I've never done this. Sid apparently poo-pooed his little panties mm, yeah. during uh, Mania 13. I was there. I did not smell it, by the way. I was in row four. I was. <laughs> really? See, yeah, these are in the Chicago. kind of first-hand accounts we are bringing you, people. I was in Chicago. I was it, about, I don't know, like 11 or 12. I did not smell anything, so in that defense. But I remember that WrestleMania. That was the best version of Sid I could remember. Mm. Uh, even the build-up to it, the psycho Sid version of him. He had that menacing music, mm-hmm. you know. It was and the hype even around Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. There's billboards with, like, Sid on him. I was shocked that he lost that match mm-hmm. uh, as a fan, as a kid fan back then. But that was the best version of Sid I remember. And that was the main event of the match, too. Although it gets forgotten because of Austin versus Brett. Mm-hmm. Fair. 
Um, Do you remember what the reaction to Sid was when he came it out? It was stuck. I mean, Sid. Huge? Yeah, I think people were shocked that Undertaker won. Mm-hmm. They, they were happy at the end, but no one saw Undertaker with the title. You just saw him. Yeah. It was just such a weird situation to kind of see him actually win the title finally. So people were kind of stunned. It was a stunned crowd at and, the end. And it was a pre streak Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it wasn't. They didn't really start talking about the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania until another like probably five or ten years from WrestleMania thirteen. Yeah. Where it was like, no, he's he's literally laid to waste fifteen, twenty people. Like I think it wasn't until that Randy Orton match at WrestleMania twenty one mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. even yeah. talked about made promos and that it yet. was it wasn't you're not just facing the Undertaker, you're facing the Undertaker at a place where he unprecedentedly wins. Right. Oh, I love that little first-hand account, guys. This is great. <laughs> well, nobody was there to see Sid at the press conference that followed because uh, Sid wasn't there. Oof. This is another one of these major F-ups. There's another little X right next to it over here. Um, but I love that we got uh, a positive account from Jim over here of Sid being great and uh, having a great match in front of the fans. But I kind of agree with Conrad on this one. Why can't Bruce just pick up the phone, call Taker, and ask him? Now, I would prefer he do that with more important things, <laughs> things we need to know a little more pressingly than whether Sid went poo-poo in his penis. But why don't they do that? Um, It's embarrassing, I guess. And probably Undertaker, I guess he's above that, talking about something. You don't think he would laugh if Bruce Pritchard called him and was like, hey, I'm doing this little podcast with Conrad right now. Remember back I- of Mania 13? He would have laughed if it was in private. I, I don't think if it was kind of on a podcast or something, I don't see Undertaker delving into that. But maybe I, between like a locker room or a bar talk or something like that, I could oh, see that's, that. That's also, I don't think you guys understand the difference between a locker room talk and uh, what you, like locker, <laughs> I, I realized it after I said it, but I don't think you understand how wrestlers are when they happen to be in a room with each other yeah. versus when they're not in that room. Yeah. Like very few of them actually talk to each other on a regular basis if they're not forced to in mm. a matter of speaking that's true like there are a lot of people in this world that you'd be shocked to hear haven't spoken to each other in like 20 years well let's see uh bruce kind of uh answers some questions at the end of this episode that goes along with that one of the fans asked him about sid saying that bruce got in his way and so this kind of for a minute i was like oh does does bruce hate sid is that why we got all these x's on the on the chart but um bruce said no there's no way. They, they just could not believe anything coming out of Sid's mouth at the time. The car accident is another big X next to his name. But mm. according to Bruce Pritchard, this all wraps up in a very positive note. He says Sid belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame and predicts that he will be there within the next five years. Do you agree, Jim? Agreed completely. I mean, he's made enough of a mark in the industry and was at the top a few different times. He deserves to be in it. I mean, sure. When it, anytime there's the Hall of Fame talk, I'm like, sure. Like, everyone almost gets in now. Now there's not like, every, but well, now everyone now that they have the uh, not even the previous ceremony one, but like the the video package inductees, yeah. mm-hmm. like they, they they play a video package and induct twelve people, and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think in there now. I think right. Sid would get a would get a WWE Network. Six-hour Hall of Fame show. He'd get it. He'd get a speech. For sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. Well, this was so much fun, guys, breaking down the show with you all. Uh, As you mentioned at the top of the show, we want to make sure everyone follows us and keeps all this fun stuff going. So where would they do that at, Steve Kaufman? Uh, They can find me almost exclusively on Twitter, at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in more YouTube pages than I can list at this point. If I'm tweeting the link, chances are I'm involved. Support them. Support me. 
There you go. Uh, you can find me on all social media at the Jim Alexander. Check out the Roswell and New Mexico after show. And tomorrow night, I'll be on Raw after show. Oh, hey. And all you guys out there who joined us live, which you can do every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, already know this, guy. So that's props to you. And you can always hit me up at Christy Reports. Don't forget to watch After 83 Weeks on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, where we have a Q&A with Eric Bischoff himself. And uh, on that note, we will be back right here next Sunday. I know, again, there's other stuff going on. But we will be here breaking down Gorilla Monsoon. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.